Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. morning. I said at first service, this is not a media malfunction. I am preaching today. Just for some people, it's like, I don't know what it is. I don't see no sermon bumpers. Sometimes those things don't work, right? So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm honored to be able to preach the word to you this morning. And I know that she just went out. She's actually served for both services. But don't let that somber lady on that screen there make you think that she's laid back. She's anything but that. I see you looking through there. She is an intercessor. She serves her heart out. She gives her heart out. And at Monica, just want to take a moment. Thank you for all that you do. She's a, she's a, she's stay on the, I feel to tell you this truly, stay on the wall, stay on the wall. God's got something for you specifically and very uh, specific to you. Stay on the wall and keep going at it. But yeah, you're not anything but somber on that. I know you're holding everything together and proper and prim and excellent. And she does. So anyway, just wanted to honor you in that. Thank you so much. Um, well, uh, you can go ahead and take your Bibles and open with me to the book of Matthew chapter 15. Uh, I'll give you my title shortly, but Matthew chapter 15. And as you're turning there, I wanna take a few moments and I wanna set up a little bit where I'm going uh, today. I'm talking on the subject of faith. And I bet there are people in this room, you've heard faith preached so many different ways and so many different facets. And, and uh, I, I wanna come at an angle for those of you that feel like because, listen, I've been preached to, you have the faith, move a mountain, you can speak to it and tell it to go. Yeah, I mean, I've been there. But then more times than not, I've been on the other side of that, that factor where I didn't have enough faith to move a molehill, an anthill, or let alone a big mountain. So I don't know if anybody else has been there, and it's been more days of those than I have the big mountain. There's times when you just get infused with this, the, the, the gift of faith that just comes in, and you just pray from a place of boldness. But uh, I'm not saying that those days are few and far between, but sometimes they can be. But I want to come behind and encourage, and, and, and for some of you that, uh, that maybe you've just kind of slipped back into the background, and you feel like, I, I, I don't have anything left to give. I mean, especially some of you coming out, of, coming out of 2020, maybe that's what you've been experiencing. You just don't have much in that regard and there's not much faith inside of you. Uh, so that you're the ones I'm coming after. I wanna encourage you and I wanna inspire you. Most of the time I'm driving, I'm, I'm seeing something out front. Come on, let's go do this. Let's go take this next hill. Next hill. But I wanna come back and gather us all together and let's, let's walk this out together. So um, just really quick, Many of you have heard the scriptures on faith, and, and again, I'm not going to quote all those. You can look at a he Hebrews, is the, they call it the hall of faith. You can look there and just in tears sometimes when I read through what some of those people had to face. But they were regular, ordinary people just like us that said yes to God, was available, and God used. Um, but understand this, faith is... It's spiritual. It's not anything that you can conjure up in your own being, okay? It's not anything that, well, I'll just stir it up in myself and it'll come to pass. Now, faith is, it's not a condition of your mind. It's beyond belief. The only reason that you believe is because God put an impartation of grace. It's a measure of faith that he put inside of your spirit. 
that's your belief is re- the response to your faith. Does that make does that kind of hit home to you? Um, it's spiritually given by the Lord. You can't do anything. It's 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 a grace. It's a grace given to you, and it's because of. And a lot of times what happens is the way that faith is produced is it's produced, the scripture says, by hearing. So sometimes I can hear a testimony of how God moved in somebody else's life. Maybe it was financially, maybe it was a physical need or whatever it is. And I hear that, so faith comes by hearing. So it stirs my heart to believe, hey, it can happen in me. It can happen around me. So faith is produced from the testimony because that's the testimony of Jesus. You with me? And or it can come from an encounter, a powerful encounter you have in a church service or with a friend. It doesn't have to happen in the context of a service. It can happen in the context of a one-on-one having coffee somewhere. So we don't want to just bottleneck it or pigeonhole it into one specific area. It can happen anywhere. And, and in the kingdom, there's an expectation. You've been given a measure of faith, and depending on how you steward that, because we can say it's my faith, and I believe it is, but ultimately it was God-given. So therefore, he is the author of it. And he's also the what? The finisher of faith. So he implanted it. I'm entrusted to steward it. And you understand in the kingdom, whatever you steward well will increase. And in the kingdom, we go from faith to faith. It's you graduate from one faith to the next faith. And depending on different lives in the room, some of you faced hell and high water and a lot of experiences. And maybe you're here this morning, you're just like, I don't know, my spouse dragged me here. I don't... I don't know that I believe anything, Pastor AJ. So, but you're in the right place because I'm gonna work my best through the Holy Spirit to see God change your heart this morning. Not me, but him working through me, touching your life to see it shift. And hopefully you walk out of here believing, yeah, I, I, can, I can do this, I can make it. I can get up tomorrow. Not just take a mountain, but I can get up tomorrow and face it because he's overcome tomorrow, right? So we're given a little bit to see how we steward that and, I want to read here in Matthew chapter 15. Look at verse 21, if you would. Verse 21. Let me step out here and read this with you. It says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Not just demon-possessed. She's severe. Bad case. But he answered her not a word. He ignored her didn't even acknowledge her presence. And his disciples came and urged him and said, send her away for she cries out after us now that you've ignored her. She's coming after us. But he answered and said to them, okay, it's important. He didn't say to her, he said to them, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, right there, many of you would have said, I'm offended and I'm leaving, I'm out. But she had a need. Goes on to say, and she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you, as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I want to talk to you for just a little bit this morning on the subject, the power of a crumb. The power of a crumb. Not crummy faith because that's a carries a negative connotation, but the power of a crumb. Let me pray with you. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for this day. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. For if it was without your presence, there's nobody transformed and nobody changed. 
I pray that the word I release today, the word that you put inside of my heart would carry anointing because without the anointing, no, no yokes are destroyed, no chains are broken, and nobody's changed. So we pray for you to come and let the seed that's released fall on good soil, protect the seed that it would bring forth the harvest in their life and produce great faith that they could walk and do extraordinary things in your kingdom. I take dominion over every spirit that would try to come and distract or derail mindsets, and I pray that we would be encouraged through the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so this lady, this Syrophoenician woman that we're reading about, she's in a society. Now understand, you have to understand the background, the cultural background, what's happening here in this setting. It's, she's in a society that subjugated those of her gender. She was a social outcast. If you piece together the gospel accounts, she was a Greek, a pagan, in addition to being a Canaanite among those that was most hated by the Jewish people. And the Orthodox Jews still pray to this day, Lord, thank you that I was not born a woman and not a Gentile. Imagine that. All of us in this room are Gentiles. We see that in that culture and that society. She was a mother of a desperately sick child, severely demon-possessed, and but the mother had something that she probably hadn't had in a long time, and it was hope, and his name was Jesus. And we see that from the region, we don't know how she heard about Jesus. We don't know if it was through the mouth of a testimony, which is very powerful. Wasn't in a church setting. Maybe Jesus is performing miracles, and she sees it with her own eyes. Remember what I said at the very beginning, either hearing it or seeing it, faith was dropped into her spirit, and there was something that came alive in her to know this guy Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, he might be the one that the Jews are referring to and maybe I can find a, a doorway to get in and maybe he can heal my daughter because I believe the stories that I'm healing, hearing. And so this woman probably came from miles around and uh, seeking a solution for her daughter's deadly dilemma. She knew he was a Jew and he knew that she was a Gentile, but desperation made those things virtually insignificant. How many of us in this room, if we're, especially parents with children, if your child is in a, in a situation where they're needing medical attention or whatever they're needing, you're gonna go to the ends of the earth to find it. You're gonna do whatever it costs. You're gonna pay whatever, whatever it costs to see that they get delivered or they get help for their whatever their need is. And it reminded me of the movie. I don't know if many of you have ever seen the movie before, but I'm a Denzel fan and Denzel Washington. And there was a movie that came out in the early 2000s and it was called John Q., and it's the, center, the story centers around a young boy. He's nine years old, and he's in desperate need of a life-saving transplant. And, and John Q, or Denzel, he sees this, and he's thinking insurance is gonna cover it, or maybe there's a governmental assistance that he could get to help out his child. And when he was denied that, he takes matters into his own hands, and he goes into an ER and takes it at gunpoint until at the very end of the movie. Obviously, if you've watched it, it had a good ending, but he was desperate. A man that was sane but lost his insanity whenever it came to his child. Now, I, I, I've not to the that, that part and that degree. I've seen that, but you'll do whatever you can for your babies. And and so this is the woman. If you could, if I could put it in modern day terms, this is the woman she's seeking, looking for an answer that only she knows Jesus can give. And she cries out to him. Now I want I want to take a moment. Because sometimes when we read through the Gospels or whenever you read through Scripture, we think that it just, like, I read it, and it happened within 10 minutes. Okay, I just read through that. Okay, Lord, save me, save me, save me, desperately save me, this, and all this stuff. And Jesus said, okay, whatever you want, it's yours. You know, that's kind of how we read that. But I believe that this woman is following after Jesus. She's pursuing him. And she's, uh, I think it's the Moffat translation says, she wailed after him. I mean, just 
Te- tears streaming from her face. She's crying out to God. I'm, this is the way I'm reading this. I'm just seeing it like, man, she's for probably two to three hours or if not longer because she, there is no hope. She understands that. She's probably wasted all of her wealth. We don't know. On, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She's wasted all of her, her money trying to find a solution and can't find it. And so she's pursuing Jesus for however long it is. So just take that into account that at some point the disciples get upset, right? which some of them had a short fuse anyway, but she wailed after them and the disciples are ignoring her and they finally get to a point and say, Jesus, please get rid of this woman. She's driving us nuts. I said at first service, and it's really interesting because you think about it. Look at Jesus's ordinary man that he had. I just only imagine Peter's like, John comes because John's the, he's the beloved. You know, he's the one that carries all the heart and the love and the care for Jesus. And he comes up to Jesus and is like, Jesus, you know that I love you. And we were supposed to love everybody, but this woman, Peter has already drawn his sword and he's saying off with her head. And Simon, which is a terrorist, I said it, he's probably already formed him a Molotov cocktail and he's fixing to do it on his own terms. He doesn't care who's looking. And then Judas is walking back with her and he's telling her, hey woman, I'll tell you what, we can reason, just give me a certain amount of money and I'll make sure that your voice gets heard. You know what I'm saying? Give me a few drachmas and I'll make sure that he hears, right? So he's got all this happening, but nevertheless, this woman's crying out and they're saying, please send her away. And Jesus did not address her, he addressed them. And he told his disciples, look, I didn't come with a message for her. I didn't come to save her. I come to save my own. And she must have been within an earshot away because the wailing stops and the worship begins. But still, that did not significantly change Jesus's response to her because then he turns and he says, it's not good for me to give what's meant for the children and toss it to the dogs. I can't give her the bread that was meant for mine to give them to the dogs. And her response, because I believe she's looking for a crumb. She's looking for anything. Because again, think about it. If someone denies us, we're good. I was fine. They, they don't want me. They don't have to. I'm fine. I'll back off. This woman had a need. I don't know how desperate you've ever had a need before. But she responds back and she said, yes, that may be so, Lord. The King James says, truth, Lord. But yet the dogs can come in after the master has left the table and they can eat the crumbs. So he dropped her a crumb to see maybe if she would bite. I believe it with all of my heart. And Jesus realizes the tenacity of her faith. She's tenacious. She is audacious. She's not stopping. She's pressing in. And she had such a depth to the determination that he responds to her and he says, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Let me tell you something. You understand there's three types of faith in the gospels that we see. One's mentioned as little faith, which at one point he told his disciples, oh, you have little faith. Then there's much faith, and then there's great faith, or one of the versions that talk about great faith can be translated complete. There's nothing missing in it. It's complete. And Jesus looks at her and says, oh, great and complete is your faith. And, and, and a lot of times, Jesus, he doesn't just make uh, blanket statements. When Jesus makes a statement, it's very intentional, right? He doesn't waste his words. And so when he tells her Whatever you ask, he tells her, great is your faith, whatever it is you desire, let it be done to you. He's saying, that's an, that, anything that you want, it's done at this point because of her response in faith. And he, sometimes he would say, be healed, be whole. But whatever you want, that's a blank check to see God move in my situation, right? And so we see the power of a crumb of faith. I'm gonna take you somewhere, so just follow the breadcrumbs as I lead you through this. 
She wailed, she cried out wherever they went. They finally, and what she finally heard was words of dismissal. Now, let me just ask you a question. If you're in this situation, would you embrace and say, oh, I'm, t- I'm going to social media. You ought to heard what this pastor just said. He called me a dog. He told me, he said, I can't take this and give it to you. We've been on social media. would have been on every news website that we could find, uh, uh, every news media outlet to let everybody know this Jesus, this one they call the Messiah. Listen what he just said. But this woman should have been insulted. She, she could have gotten angry, disappointment, and could, have doubt, and could have doubted, and that could have overwhelmed her. She could have gone away and become bitter, and her daughter would have never gotten better. Why? She heard more than was what was spoken. She heard more. She began to see and find the hope of God between the lines. It was unspoken, but yet it wasn't silent. We think about it for just a moment. The dogs that we read in the, we see in the story, in, in that setting, in that culture, as I was saying earlier, dogs couldn't come into uh, uh, the table. They couldn't come into the place where the master was eating and have a, and have a place. They just had to stay outside. When the master finished, he would get up and walk out of the room. Then the dogs could come in. So, I mean, are you seeing, are you seeing the, the illusion here that Jesus is making in this response? But I look at her and I see, again, I see this tenacious woman that has nothing but seeing her daughter healed on her heart. She's saying one crumb from your table where you have been, not where you are. You've gotten up and you've walked out. Just one crumb that's laying on the floor is enough for me and it will suffice to see my daughter healed. And and I believe that she said to myself when Jesus tossed her two crumbs, I'll just say that for example, he tossed her two words that she began to bank on. The first being a crumb and the second being a dog. She, She probably saw this is my ticket in, I'll ride into his favor on dogs, crumbs, and past presence. There's enough truth in that one word dog to get me what it is that I'm needing. And her response, maybe even being, Lord, my faith in you is such that if one crumb is all I get, it is still sufficient enough to to heal and deliver my daughter. And that phrase, uh, little dog, obviously, you know, the King James, I think it says dogs, and the the, the new King James refers to it as as little dogs, puppies. I mean, I don't know if anybody in the room has got a dog. And um, we, we, Thanksgiving of last year, uh, we ate way too much and uh, you, you think you're gonna take this afternoon walk and you're just gonna lose all 25 pounds that you just devoured in a moment. So we're, we're on a walk, our family is, and it's the next street over. Well, all of a sudden, this dog comes running up out of nowhere and from that moment on, the rest is history. She adopted us. So we, we come back to the house. We thought, give it this period of time. We're thinking, well, she'll go back to her home. She never went back. I mean, she was just ours from that moment. And I wasn't a dog person previously, but now I am because my wife is. And if, if mama's happy, everybody's happy. So men, just a little bit of marriage counseling for you. So we, we uh, are in this process trying to figure out, okay, we don't know who she belongs to. And it ended up over a period of time, we realized she was staying with us. And so in that period of time, somewhere along the way, she got pregnant because we, we make sure that everything, get, all of our animals get fixed at our house. We're, we're, we, I'm not into multiplication anymore. We're good. We've got enough babies. We've got enough animals. We are great. And uh, so in that process, we had to post her picture on social media. Probably a lot of you saw Crystal posting that, and uh, this is what the, the animal shelter told us to do. And they said, you know, after three days, she's yours. 
We put a collar on her, and I, I think it was Thursday. Uh, Crystal had gone out to have a, an evening night out with a friend of hers, and, and I was taking care of the babies, and I was sitting on the front porch with Emerson, just hanging out, enjoying the nice weather, and all of a sudden, I hear some grunting, and I hear some, like, little bitty puppies. And so I leaned over, and, and, and Piper, which is our dog's name, never name them, okay? I'm telling you, once you name them, it's O-V, it's over. And so there she is, and I, I just leaned over, and I said, oh, my goodness. This is ridiculous. She was having her puppies right there in our flower bed for everybody to see when they walk up. I guess it's advertisement. So anyway, so I, I, uh, I called her and I said, we've got, I think it's four. And uh, the next morning, Crystal began to tell me, she said, it's seven. So we ended up having a litter of seven puppies and you just want to pull out your hair and be like, oh no, I'm not. So really what I'm doing this morning my message, I'm trying, I don't need to sell them. I need to bless you with a puppy if you need one. So anybody in this room, we want to bless you. We had a couple of hits first service, so you better move fast because they're going quickly. Just to remind you. <laughs> uh, no auction. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this all in the, the glory of the kingdom. So uh, anyway, but you think about puppies. That's a long story just to get to the point of looking at a dog. When they're in the puppy phase, they chew everything up. They, their bowels move, it doesn't matter where they're at, and their bladder moves, and all this stuff, and it's just messes everywhere, everything. And, and I, I see, if you look at a puppy, you think they're untrained, they're virtually uncontrollable, and they're definitely demanding of all of your attention in all aspects. And I see this lady, this Syrophoenician woman, it didn't matter how much that they were hollering at her and telling her to take a hike and leave, didn't matter to her because she had something, she needed an answer. So Jesus, she probably took that like, you're absolutely right. I'm looking for an answer. I'm gonna be just like a little puppy and I'm gonna follow you on your heels until you bring through an answer that I'm needing. And let me just say this to you. If that outcast woman could seize on just the illusion to a dog, get a bulldog grip on a crumb and bring a devil chasing divine healing experience into the life of her child, can we even comprehend what is available to us as spirit-born, spirit-filled believers, we have access to more than she ever did. We've been grafted into the kingdom. I have a seat at the table as a son, and you as a, uh, sons and daughters, and we still live at a place of lack. Listen, I don't understand. I think sometimes the, the, what's a blessing to Americans could, in, could really be our curse because we have so much available to us. We have everything at our disposal. We think to ourselves, we got fast food restaurants left and right that I'm not getting on this side because I'm sure I eat them at times too and probably doing more damage than they are good to us. But we have everything so fast right here at our fingertips. But God does not function. Our, our culture has created this fast food mentality that when we turn it to God, we think that he's a fast food God. And he does not operate that way. My wife reminded me this morning, when you get up, put the pot roast on or else we're not gonna have anything to eat for lunch. So it's slow cooking right now. Mississippi, what's it called? I don't remember. Mississippi roast, that's what it is. And, but we think about that and that's not the way that God operates. He's not fast food. And, and I think about the Proverbs when it talks about God, don't let me become so, so filled with something lest I become full and deny your existence. And I'm afraid that's what's happened. I think about some of these other nations and I know Sister Frances said she lived in it a long time. But a lot of these nations, if God didn't show up, God was, it wasn't gonna work. If God didn't show up, there wasn't healing. If God didn't show up, then how are they gonna be provided for? But we've got everything to us. It's a blessing, it truly is. But have we allowed what God's blessed our nation with and blessed our lives with to fill us up to the degree that we don't get desperate anymore? 
Amen? I know, I know his screen's usually up and rolling, but I'm gonna need you to amen me a little bit. We've depended so much on what's around us that we don't know what it's like to do without and become desperate. I'm not saying thank God for what we've been given. I am totally all for that. But if she can see something, if I could say it this way, if she could pull something that was meant till after Pentecost, you understand that the presence, the spirit of the Lord was not supposed to be poured out, that she was not supposed to get healing in this moment, but there was a little thing called faith, a little crumb called faith, and a little thing called desperation that took hold of a promise on that side of the cross and walked it right into her moment. The God of timelessness stepped into her moment and said, yeah, I know that this is meant before cross, but we're going to bring it right here because she's tenacious. She's not taking no for an answer. I need to break through and show them what I'm about to do. And Jesus moves on her knee. I'm telling you, if it don't speak to you, it speaks to me. Stop being haughty. Stop being ungrateful and a little, throwing your little temper tantrums and understand that you've got more than what you think's available to you. If you'll just begin to open your mouth and stop depending on everybody else around you. I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to preach. Don't preach no two hours, Pastor, but you can preach a little bit longer. I'm going to tell you something. There's power in the crumb to remove a disease. There's power in the crumb to relieve every affliction. There's power in the crumb to drive out every spirit of depression and oppression and every whatever depression you got going on in your world. There's power in the crumb to break every bondage of every oppressing spirit. I don't care what it is. I don't care what devil, and you've got to get tenacious and grab a hold of something. There's power in the crumb to lift and break every burden and every chain, hands down. He is able to heal every affliction, physical, mental, spiritual. Hebrews says this, it says that, I think it's Hebrews 13, 8, it says, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what that means is, is if he's ever done it, he still does it, and he will do it again. If he ever spoke it, it, it's not gonna go away because not one jot or tittle can ever pass away from the word of God. Miracles are for today. Baptisms in the Holy Ghost are for today. Signs, wonders are for today. It's all available to the children of God that'll say, I've just got a crumb and that's all I need. If I need to see, a, if I need to see something shift in my family, if my marriage is going down the tubes, I'm gonna grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray until God begins to move. Can I preach to y'all this morning? I understand it's Sunday morning. I'm, I want to preach to you. I want to get this across to you because I've seen God work through a marriage. I've seen God work through healing. I've seen God do miraculous things. And I love hearing the testimonies because it begins to build that faith and take it from faith to faith to faith to faith to glory to glory to glory. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. It says that I has not seen nor is ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those that love him. And, and I wanna say, and don't forget the tag at the end. We always wanna quote the first three things. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that he has prepared for them. According to those that love him, that walk in intimacy with him and, and truly cherish his word. And, and a lot of times our mind begins to go to the eternal. We wanna think in the sweet by and by. We wanna think when this life is over, and we step into that one. I believe it. I believe that's all part of it as well. But I believe it's an invitation into the temporal. Listen, if we truly surrender and sell out and say, God, I don't have the ability, but I'm available. 
and I'll let you use me. I'll grab a hold of the crumb that I can get from the word of the Lord, the revelation of this. I'll hang on to it. Then we'll start seeing eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for me in this life as well as the next. It's for here and it's for now. I want to see it take place and manifest. And can I just go ahead and release this this morning? I was talking with a friend of mine. I believe with all of my heart, and I'm not trying to toss this out loosely. I believe with all of my heart that revival has, has, has started in this ministry. Maybe it hasn't fully manifested to what it's going to be, but it's already started. And I believe that if people would begin to come back to a place, and if I could pull on a little bit of Wednesday night teaching, if we could say, God, revive us. Revive me personally, God. Revive my pursuit for you. Revive us as a church and revive the work of your hands. I believe that we'll start seeing more take place. Starts with you, starts at home, starts with a crumb, starts with a crumb of faith. That's all that I need. So let me lead you into this next portion here. This woman shows up, was it on her behalf or was it on her daughter's behalf? This woman shows up on behalf of her daughter. So her daughter can't do anything of herself, so mom takes matters into her own hands. I'm gonna tell you something. The mother begins to share the crumbs with her daughter. She begins to take what she got her breakthrough with, with Jesus and begins to release it to her, to her daughter as well. And it's the reason why her daughter got her breakthrough. And I wonder if there are parents listening who are ready to hold on to God until they see their children experience old-time power. See, their children find a breakthrough. Share the crumbs with the next generation of what you have experienced. The Syrophoenician woman held on until she had an experience with God, listen to what I'm about to tell you, that she could transfer, that she could transfer to the, to the next generation. I was talking about this Wednesday night and it has really begun to put into words to what I've always felt. I've got to keep my encounter and my experience with the Lord current. I don't need to let it be, Miss Sarah, 10 years since I've had an encounter with the Lord. This is the last time that I broke down and wept and cried and maybe came to an altar. It's okay, listen, these are open. They've never been closed, I'm just telling you. But that I came and cried and wept and said, God, I've got to have you. Some of us have gone so long without an encounter because we, maybe we're prideful not to let our spirits be broken and let the Lord begin to do a work in you. It's like I said, it's past Wednesday. I'm sorry to bank off of that, but when he shows up, he unravels all that you are because he's holy. He's unlike any other. How could he not unravel you? And so you gotta keep your encounters current. But the mother knew that I've got to share this encounter with my daughter. She's got to have what, I, what, I, what I'm experiencing because I'm showing up on her behalf. In Deuteronomy 4.25, the Lord tells Moses to communicate to the children of Israel. He said, listen, don't get so comfortable when you come into that land that your children will begin to have children that have children and eventually they're gonna end up corrupting themselves with, uh, with, with, with many idols. And it's almost like, well, thank you, God. Thank you that you're communicating and telling me that our children, they're gonna corrupt themselves with idols and you're gonna lead them around the wilderness for a period of time. And just all, this, all of this stuff, just thank you for the words of encouragement. And I love what another translation says. It says, if you are not careful, here, listen to this. If you are not careful after you've been in the land for four generations, you are going to lose your freshness. I'm a third generation Pentecostal, spirit-filled. My grandmother got changed by someone coming and preaching at a brush arbor that I have no idea what that is. 
and my parents were a second generation and I'm the third. I don't want to let it hit the fourth generation without freshness. I want to make sure and keep my encounters current, my baptisms and the Holy Spirit current so that my children coming up underneath me know what the Holy Spirit and fire and power and demonstration and prayer is all about. I want to keep it current and I want to keep it fresh. Not relevant according to the word system. Listen, God's always relevant. The world system always tries to tell you what relevance is, but it's really God that's always cutting edge and always on, right? Every word he speaks is fresh. So let me, let me drive it home just a little bit further. I want to talk about, let's look at this power of, of the crumb, of one man that grabbed a hold of it and began to pull it through the generations. Check this out. Abraham, I could probably stop there and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I got you. You make sense. But some of us, uh, let, me, let me break it down for you. The scripture talks about Abraham. It says he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, which means that Abram believed God and God put into his account righteousness. Do you guys understand there's a difference between something being in your account and something being in your possession, right? I have a million dollars in the bank, but it does me no good if it's not in my hand. So it was into his, it was an account. So when God spoke to him, you understand that Abram's father was an idol maker, not even a servant of God, okay? He was an idol maker. And the Lord speaks to him. Let me bring you back. There's where faith was imparted the word of God, hearing, he heard, so it was imparted. He believed, and because he believed, the Lord says, let's just see where he goes. He's following the crumbs right now. So Abram takes off walking. Abram, get out of your father's house, away from your country, and in your land, and go to a land that I'll show you. No problem. Load up everything you got, and you walk out. I don't know of many in this room that would do that. I don't know that I would. I'd have to really seek a lot of godly counsel. I talked to everybody. What, are you serious? God, are you really, you serious about this? But as he took off walking, God began to lead, right? Now, check this out. From this one man, this one man, the Lord took him from the Euphrates River, from Ur of the Chaldees, a place whose name means flames of fire and destruction. How many of you are from that place? How many of you feel like this what you leave when you walk out of a room? From that one man, God raised up one nation, a nation called Israel. From that one nation, God took one tribe, the tribe of Judah. From that one tribe, God took one lineage, the lineage of David. From that one lineage, God brought, God brought forth one man whose blood atones for the sins of the world, who is now exalted at the right hand of God and now makes uh, intercession, intercession for us for the rest of our days. From that one man, so you can trace this all the way back from a man that took hold of a crumb and held on to it till it became the bread of life. One man took a crumb and it became the whole loaf. Jesus, it started there. But guess what? This is what's inter interesting about Abraham. They called him and said, hey, he's a, he was a prophet. So it's possible that he could have looked through the cross and seen Jesus. I don't doubt that at all, at all. But what I do know is that he was living for another generation that he never saw. One man took a hold of a crumb and said, I don't care if I don't see it in my generation, I'm gonna take it and move it forward. I'm gonna take what I've received and I'm gonna make the best of it and I'm gonna take it and move it forward because I know the word of the Lord spoke to me that I'm the father of many nations and out of my lineage is coming the Messiah and so I'm gonna keep walking. And sometimes some of us is in this room right now, maybe you're the one that's expecting it to break out and break loose in your family, but God says, no, 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 I don't wanna do it in your family. What if you can just be faithful and walk it and 
and carry it until the next generation. And then they get a hold of it, and then it breaks out in them. Are you willing to contend for a whole generation to see it happen? Here's the deal. We have the whole loaf. We don't just have a crumb. We've got the whole loaf. But sometimes maybe that's all you've got to hang on to is a crumb. The scripture says and talks about that we have his spirit, we have his word, and we also have his name, Jesus. We have thousands of angels ready to minister to us, uh, to our needs and to our situations. It is the whole loaf. You've got access to all of it. And John, when you read the book of Revelation, John, he even tried to number the angels and gave up count. He's, he's just, he said, I saw in the book of Revelation, I saw 10,000 and 10,000 and thousands of thousands. The Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Now, don't think that, well, there's just angels all over the place. No, there's a powerful word there, fear, worship, reverence, awe, respect, submission, honor. That's those that fear the Lord. There's angels encamping around us. I am, I'm not a mathematician and, and you know, I barely got by by the help of my person that sat to my left through school. So, uh, but let me just read this out for you. It was a, a commentary that, by the way, I'm seeing kids look around. Don't take note of that, by the way. Do not look to the person to your left or to your right. You know, it, anyway. So, I read this from a commentary and it was very interesting to me uh, about how many angels that we truly have surrounding us. Now, this is part of the whole loaf. Now, 10,000 multiplied by 10,000 and then thousands, which is more than one, at least two to be plural, and thousands, there's plural again. Sooner or later, when you multiply 10,000 times 10,000, and then I'm just gonna check out right here because I've done lost my mind. I, again, I, I believe that, that those of you that know math really well, you're in the room and you're just like, I'm following him. Cover the dot X for the variable Y. And I don't even know what that is, AX, whatever. And he's like, I'm following him. You can't pick that up. Are you kidding me? That's perfect. That's just, that's math. The number reaches somewhere around, listen to this, somewhere around 400 trillion angels that he has encamping around his people. Now, I don't believe in my heart, Demetrius, if you would, I don't believe in my heart that we can command angels. I believe that the times that it's mentioned in Scripture to Jesus, that it says that he can pray to the Father and angels will be, angels will be released. I can pray to the Father and he'll dispatch some. There's plenty. There's plenty of angels and they come to minister on behalf of the heirs of salvation. They come for you and I to minister to us and our, and our needs and they're encamping all around us. And we, do you see that? We've got his spirit, we've got his word, we've got his name. We have thousands of angels ready to minister on behalf of us. This woman, I look on this side of it, this Syrophoenician woman didn't have access to these things. Now she's got Jesus standing there, but it, he's not supposed to minister to her. She claimed two words, crumbs and dog. And she wrote on the back of the dog, and grabbed a hold of a crumb that led her into the breakthrough of her daughter. The hunger and desperation. With those two words, a devil was cast out of her daughter and her daughter was restored. Look what she did with just a little bit of faith. Now I say a little bit, it was a lot to her because a crumb's all she had. And we've been given more than that. We're better than dogs. We are his children. 
and our portion is the whole loaf. That's what's mine. That's what's yours, the whole loaf. Hebrews 11 and six. Many of you could probably quote this, but Hebrews 11 and six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, I think that we're in a time now where people, they need a demonstration of the spirit of God like they've never done before. I think about Proverbs that says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart. And different things that I've read over the years in reading Proverbs, I read that book more than I read any. I just, every day I'm, da- I'm reading a daily proverb. And it really interests me, like, what is the fool? Who is the fool? You know, to an atheist, someone that doesn't believe God, it would make sense for them to say there is no God because we, you know, they've never encountered. But the fool is someone that encountered but denied. I've seen it, but I don't believe it. That has pushed themselves away. Let me tell you something. You look to please God, there's only one place in Scripture says it's impossible. It's right here. Without faith. Hearing the word, seeing the demonstration, hearing the testimonies. There's living testimonies standing before us in this, or sitting before us in the room, and I'm standing one before you too that says, yeah, he's real. There's no way somebody can be going this way and 180 go back this way. Something had to happen. There had to be a supernatural encounter and demonstration for someone to change their way, right? Many of you in the room, you're you're a testimony as well. The fact that you're sitting on a seat this morning, but maybe you're sitting here and maybe you don't know Jesus. Somehow you happened into this room or maybe you got drugged drugged to church by your wife or your husband or your, whatever. Sometimes kids are dragging parents to church. However you got here, but you're struggling to believe. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. The scripture goes on to say, those of us that come to him must believe that he is. What does that mean? You believe that he exists. I believe in your existence, God. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So three things. I wanna ask you this question. Once you stand to your feet, I wanna pray with you. I wanna hit all spectrums if at all possible. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I'm pleading with you. I hope you've had more than enough uh, information that the Spirit of God would persuade your heart. If you don't know Jesus, right now where you're at, come on, I want you to just close your eyes all over the room and just focus on Him. Set your focus upon the Lord. If you don't know Jesus and you wanna know Him in relationship, lift your hand. It doesn't save you to lift your hand, but it just acknowledges, says, that's me. I wanna know who He is. I wanna know Jesus. Let's see, hand over here. I bless you, anybody else? I want to know you, Jesus. What does it mean whenever we believe? We've encountered His goodness. Faith is in our heart. Trust, it means to trust, to obey, and to surrender. When I believe, that's what I do. And the second thing is we seek, we pursue. Pursue Him first in all things, not just in some things, everything. He goes first before. And the third thing is you simply receive. He rewards those who diligently seek him. I give myself to him, not just today, but tomorrow. And the next day, I'm diligent in pursuing God. I promise you, here's a little word of wisdom to you. I promise you, 
in the pursuit and relationship and journey with the Lord, there's gonna be more days that seem to be mundane, not a lot of huge fireworks. There's not gonna be a lot of great things taking place, but it's the slow, steady burn of a flame. Years and years and years of faithfulness. That's really what radical is. Being faithful throughout every generation, every decade, every day, every month. Let me just pray with you really quick. Father, I pray right now in this room for those that are struggling in a place of doubt, those that struggle in a place to believe, God, and some that have walked through so much. Right now, all they've got a crumb. And I pray that this revelation to know that you've got access to more than you know. They've held on. Thank you for enduring faith. Thank you for tenacious faith. But this morning, I'm praying for encouragement. Hit their heart. Right now, come Holy Spirit. Come on, give them an invitation. Let him come. Let him minister to you. We give you permission. Jesus, have your way right now in this room, in our lives. I want you to extend your hands out in front of you. Get ready to receive this morning. It's the last three. Receive, seek, and receive. Believe, seek, and receive. I'm sorry. And just receive it. I receive, Lord. I receive, Lord. You, you reward those who diligently seek you. You take care of your children. I receive right now. I receive it right now. And just as the Lord told Abram, he said, don't be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. You are a rewarder. If all I get is your presence, God, that's all I need. It's all that I need. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.